Welcome to Ticket to Gamehenge, the podcast that discusses the science behind how to get your friends and family to love our favorite band, Fish, as well as other fish-related topics from the community. You can grab a free chapter of the book at TicketToGameHenge.com. My name is Adam, and joining me as always is my good buddy, Dr. K. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Week 18. What are you laughing at? Coughing well, yeah, I'm laughing at the fact that like we just had a 30-minute conversation. I did not have any need to cough. And yet you're like, okay, are you ready? And I'm like coughing up a lung. It's just hilarious. <laughs> That's how it goes. A little bit of stage fright, perhaps. Um, yeah, lots, lots going on. I mean, it, not a lot in terms of new content, of course. I think speculation more than anything. Fingers crossed for a fish Christmas album. No? What? <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you honestly imagine if all of a sudden fish dropped a traditional Christmas album? They've what would the reaction? They've teased. Christmas songs before in their songs. Sure, but could you imagine all of a sudden today you get an alert like like a fish Christmas and there's a full album with traditional Christmas songs by Fish. Could you imagine what the reaction would be? That'd be awesome. Have you heard the um, the Bare Naked Ladies Christmas album? It's like one of my favorite Christmas albums. Really? It's I'll so have good. to check that out. So but good. but knowing fans the way we know them, what do you think the honest reaction would be from the community? Majority positive. Okay. Uh, you know, and then, and then, you know, whoever's having a bad day, a bad day and, and, and hate, <laughs> the hate, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, hey, I just sort of brought that up. Like, people, listen, man, we're people before we're fish fans, right? Like we think that we're, we talked about this before. We think that we're different. We ain't different. We're just people. Yeah. We're people who have a similarity around a band that we love and brings value to our life. Right. Right. Um, yeah, hundred percent. So yesterday I wanted that band to bring more value to my life. Uh, uh, as you know, I, I tend to listen to uh, fish mostly on in the car on the way home during the commute other times too, but mostly, um, and I've got a terrible data plan. So I don't tend to stream uh, mm -hmm. fish. I'll download it offline first. So it's saved on my phone and then I'll play it, play it in the car driving home yesterday. And I was just at the end of uh, December 5th, 2009. Just about to head into the four-night New Year's run um, at the end of the month. And uh, album finished, or not the album, but the show finished. And I was like, oh, shit, I don't have another fish show on the app. But I had the last Beacon Jams. So instead, and, and, and look, I have other things in my phone. I've got podcasts. I've got plenty of other. I've got music and Apple Music, all that stuff. I chose to listen to Beacon Jams, but I also still kind of forced, like, felt like I was forced to. In a weird sort of way, I was like, I guess there's no other option. Meanwhile, there was plenty of options, but I chose to listen to it. And um, yeah, it was just interesting to go back and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I was reflecting on uh, us talking last week when I asked you in a year, two years, would you would you go back and listen to any of those shows? And you didn't even think about it. It was a no, <laughs> like I'm not. And uh, I was, I've been thinking about that since then. And I had no intention of going back. And I went back and I was listening to it, but it didn't get me going in the, in the same way that a fish show would. So I guess um, exactly. Yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm aligning with you. I think it, it'll still be a nostalgic thing to maybe check out in a few years, um, but it, it's not going to be like, I'm not going to listen to all eight shows in a row because that's what I'm doing. It'll be a, let's drop in and pay a visit and say, see you later again. Um, so in that, yeah. in that context, I'm my, my, uh, my decision is guess I'm playing, guess I'm paying more for my phone bill this month. Play. <laughs> There you go. There you go. I, I probably it had enough. Like, it but... felt like, how come our phone bill is so high? I'm like, I don't know, man. The kids are <laughs> screaming. 
That's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. Um, cool. So yeah, it sounded good, but yeah, it definitely uh, left me wanting more, more fish. Um, yeah. So speaking of fish, I'll, I'll quickly bring it up. Uh, uh, Cause I think it's a good topic. Um, somebody posted on Reddit what they, at, they asked a question, but what they felt was the most unique fish song, which I think is a loaded question because we can agree that the band is unique. They have a unique sound or, you know, if you know the band, you know them as soon as you hear them. Um, and a, a bit of a debate broke out. He sort of called out like "Yem" like right away is probably it, yeah. but if it's not, but if it's not that, what is it? And a lot of people chimed in with "Reba." They mm -hmm. felt that "Reba" was one of the most fishy songs. Uh, a few others were dropped in there, but but those were the two that were brought up more than anything else. Apart from, uh, I'll read you one of the responses because it brings up Zappa, which we're going to talk a little bit out about. Of, out of interest. Out of yep. interest to that question, because I haven't, I'm cold. I haven't looked at the thread. Okay. How many of the songs put forth are 3.0 songs? 0. 0.0. Interesting, right? Mm, is it though, or is it just unsurprising? Like, really? No, it's yeah. interesting. And it's interesting to the fact that what, what classifies fish in terms of songwriting and composing has not taken place in, what now, 30 years? Yeah. Yeah, you make a good point. Right? I think there's hints of it here and there. There's definitely songs in 1.0 that kind of reflected back to that time. But yeah, most of the new material is not of that nature. That's a good point. So the first, so the first response, or maybe this is, yeah, this isn't from the poster. It just says, aside from Yam, which is probably the best answer, for me, Reba is the most unmistakably, unmistakably unique fishy song there is. There's no mistaking who wrote that song. And even though it's, it is proggy, I can't think of a prog band that would ever write anything like it. I think even someone like Zappa would get bored with all the progression changes and just make a new song. Other, okay. other. Okay, listen to Frank Zappa. Yeah, I didn't quite, quite, quite get that. Um, somebody, somebody responded with that. Said, "Hey, you need to check out Zappa and listen to this." Yeah. Fluffhead was in there. Meat Mound again. Reba Mango Song. Um, uh, do, 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 do. Yeah, I wouldn't say that either. Um, ass handed, <laughs> maybe. Um, Haley's Comet, Glide, Susie Greenberg, All Distinctly Fish. I don't know. Susie Greenberg is more of a traditional rock song. Like, I think a lot of bands could. could uh, and then this one, I kind of like, I would say Tweezer. I completely agree with others that Reba and Yem are quintessential fish, but for the most part composed. Tweezer is by definition unique. Most every version is so different and a beast of its own. It is the jam vehicle's jam vehicle. I would argue that it's one of the most important and defining songs in their vast catalog. I could go on and on. Fucking love Tweezer. Interesting point. It is an interesting point. And I think honestly, the more and more I listen to Tweezer, like I, I get more and more excited about it because it's so unpredictable. It's almost like you listen we'll to talk the, about my recommendation for 98. Did you listen to the second set? Not yet. Not yet. Uh, Maybe that's tonight on the way home. I, I like a good second set for the late night drive home. It's dark. It's all spacey. Forgot to tell you, a couple of weeks ago, I was driving home uh, and we hit snow for about 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, really thick snow to the point where all of a sudden I couldn't see lights on any houses, any roads. I couldn't see lines on the road. Like, like I was alone and couldn't see more than 50, 75 feet in front of me. But I was in the middle of a really spacey yem jam while that was happening. This is like midnight in the middle of nowhere. And it was, I was sober as anything. It was tripping me out, man. Like it was wild. I love, I love that stuff. I'm glad you're safe, but I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was a, it was for those 10, 15 minutes. It was a, it was a white knuckle drive. I was gripping on that wheel. I don't know what the grip was doing for me, but man, it was tense anyhow. Um, but yeah, tweezer is, 
it just creates a great jumping off point. And, and, and you put out an email yesterday that uh, Tweezer is the best jam vehicle. Discuss. So I do want to talk about that because I'm struggling a little bit with, um, to back it up a step, the other night I was hanging out here and I was watching, uh, it was night three, night three of Baker's Dozen, and they're playing, uh, playing a Wolfman's Brother, and I interpret it to be a type two jam. Clearly, it wasn't, or maybe it was. I snapped a quick video of it, sent it to you, asking if you could guess, and you got it right away. And I was pretty surprised by that. And I've been thinking, like, want to maybe discuss a little bit more about how you recognize that, and do you really, and do you need to be a musician and play an instrument to be able to understand those better? No. So the okay. way, that, like, the way that you recognize it is that um, um, every song, you know even the ones that like go really out there, the jams still- Like Split Open and Melt, yep. for example. Jams still have certain themes. Like, so Split Open and Melt, if you pay attention, and again, I haven't listened to every Split Open and Melt. I don't have it, you know, right. in my head, but mm-hmm. Split Open and Melt is defined by um, the beat that Fishman plays. It's like a really complicated beat. It's like, a, I think it's like, a, it goes from one measure is like 8 16th and then it goes to seven or 9 16th and then it goes to 8 16th. And then they repeat that over and over again. And part of it throughout the thing is it goes, and then they do their thing. So if you yeah. listen, a lot of the times it keeps that theme, right? So no, right. you don't need to be a musician to, to recognize that, but you do have to listen to a lot of music and understand things like intervals, right? Like what's the sound between like a, a second and a third or a second and a minor third? Like those are the, the sounds that you have to recognize. And I mean, sometimes it gets way out there and the songs change. So I wouldn't be able to recognize all of them all of the time. Right. But if you develop a good enough ear, you'll be able to recognize stuff like that. Okay. But when that happens, that's still a type one. Is it not? Because it's keeping the same structure. Because I, I was on an interpretation that a type one is basically the song doesn't really change. The soloist will change a bit. But the same basic chord progression, beat rhythm is not played the, underneath. Not the same chord progression, though, right? I see. So the, the I see. Chord, they can enter another theme based around that chord progression. So it keeps okay. kind of the same structure. You can still kind of tell it's the same, but things are changing. Okay. But then, so... So for type one versus type two, because type two is under the impression that they just essentially leave the song and just go into the unknown and create and something happen, completely. And it, and it can happen for sure. It can definitely happen, but the, it still has like, I mean, so the part that, for Wolfman Brother, they just started coming back to the, the Wolfman Brother theme a little bit. Mm. So that's what tipped me off to, you know, I could recognize it. Like when it goes into like outer space and you're just like, oh, <laughs> of course we've left. Yeah. Typically, that's why all the jams sound different. Like, right. Right? Like, it's still a, you know, like a Reba jam has a very, um, a very distinct sound, even when it ventures into, into La La Land. Mm-hmm. It still sounds like Reba. Mm, gotcha. You know, you know, and like, so for example, like, You Enjoy Myself, you know, is, is, again, it goes off, but typically the chords are, I think it's a, I think it's a, a G7 or G minor seven to C7. And it's typically mm-hmm. blues bass. Like it sounds like a blues song. So there's a minor third in there. Trey typically plays the notes of the pentatonic scale with a couple of filler notes. Yeah, right? yeah. So, I mean, those things kind of stay, you know, so they base things around stuff like that. Mm, gotcha. Okay. 
and then like Got a, it. a song that's like um like possum for example possum's a type right. one right most of the time because yeah, yeah. the same blues structure stays throughout the whole song even though the jam parts are very varied the mm-hmm. chords underneath are the same gotcha okay so why and I agree with it to a degree without really knowing some of the theory behind it, but why, but why is tweezer the best jam vehicle? Like you put that out there. Yeah. yeah. Why do I, you think it is? I put that out there because of all the songs that I've ever listened to, you know, and I think a lot of people would agree with this. Tweezer is the one that takes the wildest, most fish, like, you know, like it's mm-hmm. out and you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what they're going to transition to. Mm-hmm. you know so it's just the the avenue like the playground i think has the most tools for them to be able to experiment so maybe you know just based on the conversation and again i have to think about it and listen to more because i'm still learning a lot about like music theory and stuff like that sure. it's yeah. probably the way that it's set up it's open to the widest it has the most possibilities for them as musicians gotcha so they can go anywhere they want really and then it's a really simple melody and like you know, it's pretty much like a, it's a scale. So they use the pentatonic scale for that song. That's a scale that's typically in all music around the world. So you can right. take Persian music or Greek music and you could play those five notes, right? Over that music and it would all work. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like trickery, but it's, but it's really smart. Like clearly when they write that, they know that. Of course. Otherwise, right. it would just be like, you know, the idea, like, you still have to learn how to play your instruments, and there's still, like, a basic framework to work around. Other, otherwise, it would just be, like, me and a bunch of, you know, a bunch of monkeys hammering on stuff. It wouldn't sound musical. Right. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, like, whenever Tweezer comes on, there is that feeling of, yeah, I don't know where this is going to go. I know it's going to go somewhere. Let's just buckle in and enjoy the ride. Um, you know, and, and, that's, and that's the part that, sorry to interrupt, but that's, like, the part I think that's different about Fish is, is sometimes when I listen to, you know, the dead jam, uh-huh. it ceases to sound musical. It's really out there. Like, they've, the, the structure is completely broken down. Right. But Fish always makes it sound like you're listening to music. Right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, they just have a way of getting, they're so, they're so groove based. And I know weeks ago I, I talked about my appreciation for Paige and how much that's growing. Um, I think a similar thing has been happening with Mike. When we talked about Beacon Jams and I asked you the question last week, like who's the player that you miss the most for me, it was Mike. And, uh, I, I quickly watched, um, two of the reaction videos that I saw is guy named Jamel, AKA Jamal does this thing on YouTube and he just posts reaction videos and he did two fish songs, uh, two, only two fish songs that he's ever heard. The first one uh, was tube from 97 and the second one was maze from 97 as well. Um, and he was reacting to Mike in a way like, like it was grooving. Right. And they're so, they're so groove based, right? Mike and fish, once they get going on that groove, it just, I don't know. It just sort of springboards that unique song sound, that funk that they tend to bring. And they just get into this groove and rhythm. And before you know it, you're like, Holy shit, we're in this total, total jam. And I bring it up because the guy in the video kept going, Oh, they be jamming. jamming. He kept saying that. And he was like, moving his shoulders a lot yeah it was just really really funny to watch and that just to see the reaction and you know all the different things that are going on in their music uh it was really really neat to see so 
Yeah, yeah. Is there is there another song like Tweezer that you can think of that's a consistent jam vehicle? Because there's so many compositions, there's so many what ifs. You don't get a, a Hampton Haley's. Those are once in a blue moon. What are what are some other th- songs that you can think of that are consistent good jam vehicles? So I'm I was thinking about the question, right? What's the most fishiest song? I think mm-hmm. what we do first to answer that question is we would need to define what makes it a fish song. You know, mm-hmm. I think, because I, I was thinking a lot about that answer, mm-hmm. to, to pick Tweezer, like, meets the jam criteria to the most, mm-hmm. but there's also compositional pieces that are not yeah. included in Tweezer, right? Like, Tweezer doesn't do Trey justice as a composer and part of Fish. Right. Right, so I think you'd have to include something like that. That's why, I, I you know, I'm making the... Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to think of, like, other, what are other good jam songs that they play? I don't know. Down with disease is a good one. Mike song, simple. Yeah. yeah. Um, Versus a song like Harry Hood, there's a bit of a jam to it, but it always sort of goes in the same type of direction and comes back, right? Like they, well, now you're, but now you're. I think now you're starting to get it, right? Like you're starting to, you're starting to understand that, like you know, Harry Hood, the jam part, always it sounds different all the time, but it also kind of sounds like Harry Hood during the jam part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'll have to sit on that one and, and divided, receive it. Like, I think you can make an argument to say that Divided Sky is the most fishy song. Yeah, well, potentially. I think when you Google, um, you know, fish songs rank in a lot of lists, that's the number one song. It's a song that I've heard a lot of people recommend to be like, oh, you need to play them this song. You know, kind of like the litmus test to see if they're going to like this band. Yeah, I guess it encompasses a lot of a lot of things. Great composition, great guitar playing, great uh, you know, a musicianship amongst the band, some interesting lyrics, the length of the song, um, yeah. that pause in the middle. Like it's it's unique in a lot of ways. You can't see any other band really pulling off the same way that they do. And maybe on paper a song like that doesn't necessarily work, but when the energy with the crowd is there and the way he played and the way they play it, not just Trey, but the way they play that song. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And the timing that they typically choose when they play it also goes into oh, it. No, dude. But again, like, like I think you, you know, I think, I think all these things again kind of just lead me to like the same kind of conclusion excitement I get every week at how much thought and how intelligent and like smart, you know, the boys really are, and how much thought has gone into something like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wonder if, uh, and they don't seem like the kind of band that will do it, but you know, Stones have done it, Beatles have done it, Zeppelin has done it, where they've released like early demo versions. And I guess you kind of have like live versions of the songs before they became the full songs, like Black Eyed Katie and those types of things. But you wonder if we'll ever hear like early, early versions and early demos of songs that have completely changed and taken on an own, you know, a different life of their own from the early days, if that'll ever come to the light of day. They don't seem to be the kind of band that'll put that out. But in a sense, it'd be kind of interesting to hear the, you know, early versions of songs before they were finished and what they turned into. Do they record their rehearsals? I don't know. No, I mean, they're doing I, 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 I really don't know. It seems like a lot of recording and archiving to, to have, but maybe they do for inspiration. They go well, back and listen to it. And I'm asking, and maybe this will be the good segue, when I watched the, the Zappa documentary, yeah. it, it, they made it seem like Frank Zappa has every note he ever played in his vault in the basement. It is like... Wow. Yeah, let's talk about that. I... um. Yes, Zappa's clearly a really interesting figure. Um, I don't, I don't know his stuff. I really know 
about him nearly to the level that you do. Um, I remember just really, so, really well. Yeah, just so we're clear, I'm like a low level. Okay. I'll, I'll share my thoughts on that, but I... Yeah, and Zap, and Zap is one of those artists that, you know, has, I guess, bred a lot of fans similar to Fish fans in the sense that the very devout following the live music, bootlegs, trading, a unique live experience that is a one-of-a-kind show. Um, the way that he approached a live show is there's some similarities there, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. That is, I'm going to make sure that I watch that tonight. Tuesday night is my late stay up till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning night. I'll be watching that tonight. Where can I get it, by the way? Where is this documentary? I just streamed it. From what though? Is it on? Check you check you. You do torrents, right? So check the torrents. Okay. No, I don't do anything illegal at all. What no, in the no. world are you talking about, Doctor K? Okay. So, and what's the name of the documentary? Zappa. Oh, Zappa. Okay, that'll be easy to find. Yeah. So, yeah, we you uh, kind of opened up my eyes a little bit back in two thousand six. If I'm not mistaken, it was the first tour that Weasel was doing as Zappa played Zappa and. Uh, you know, like back in the day, I would go to you with shows because I'd love to see concerts. And even though I didn't really know the Zappa music all that all all that well, and to be honest, going into that show, the only thing I really knew about Zappa musically was uh, some production work he had done with a crazy street artist from the '60s that a guy used to work with named Peter when I used to do the Lawn Monkey gig. Yeah. He played, put in this tape of this guy called Wild Man Fisher. Right. And I was like, and I was like, what the <laughs> f are we listening to? He's like, oh, Frank Zappa discovered this guy and produced this album, and you can hear Frank Zappa talking to him in the background in these recordings. And I was like, huh? And then he told me about the names of Zappa's kids, Dweezil and Moon Unit, and I was like, okay. I was twenty at the time, didn't really right. get it. You had gotten into the, into him a bit, and then we went to see Zappa play Zappa, and. Again, I didn't really know what I was getting into. I think you had told me something along the lines of, you know, his music is very compositional. You're going to hear a lot of a lot of notes. They're going to go up and down scales, and it's going to be weird, but it's going to be fucking awesome. And I was like, done, easy. And yeah, it's fucking awesome. I don't know a name of the song that played that night, but I remember just, we were pretty high up in the balcony in this nice small theater in Buffalo. And I remember seeing the spectacle. How many people were on stage? It was a big, big band. The drummer, the percussion, the rhythms, the, it was just like you could really, even if you didn't know that music, you couldn't help but have an appreciation for the writing that went into that. So, and then add on top of that, Zappa's personality and what I know of him, it's, I'm really excited to watch it. So let's talk, Zappa, what do you want to say? What did we learn? Um, I was just, I, I, you know, again, you, you watch these things with where you're at in life. I was struck this time just by how much, you know, fish, borrowed um from zappa it seems like every like band that's known for their live music has had a venue where they would play you know six seven nights a week for like hours in their chops really sharpen their chops yeah 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 so Zappa had that in new york city of all places mm. you know um so i don't know like me as a zappa fan zappa kind of falls into the i like the i love the dead um, but Zappa has some songs and some compositions that are so good that mm -hmm. it picks up for the stuff that, in my opinion, is not great. Right. You know, there's a lot of stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm giving it a, like a second and a third listen, but there's lots of stuff in the 80s where he was really upset. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he, he's a, he was a pretty angry guy, man. Like, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I, he had a lot to be angry about. Very but, prickly, yeah. But, uh, a lot of the, like, there's a lot of, like, smutty lyrics and, 
and stuff that I don't know, I don't love. I don't love the way that some of the albums sound. I don't, I don't love some of the sounds, you know, but again, some of the compositions and some of the way that it comes together is just so good that I'm willing to like put up with it. Either way, super important musician, super awesome documentary. Like, you know, it's just incredible. Some of the stuff that he did, the way that he approached music, it was, you know, yeah, you know, the little bit that I've seen of him, I watched that interview that uh, we were talking about, about a 20 minute interview from 1984. Yes. And um, oh, that was awesome. And uh, almost like be a tough interview. Like you could see a woman that, I mean, you couldn't see her, but you've got a sense of like, he, um, in terms of conversation, most people will do their best to sort of push the conversation forward and have it move and have it flow. He was almost confrontational in how he, answered questions yeah. and just like very calm and would abruptly stop speaking not elaborate too much didn't really mix too many words um and you could see like well thought out very articulate but some strong opinions on things and it's it reminds me of the hatred that fish had uh, and has for mtv similar in that interview he was being interviewed by mtv and he's tearing them apart like that's awesome. And the woman is saying how refreshing it is. You know, she's working for that company that he's trashing and she's giving him accolades for doing that. And, you know, just talking about how much MTV changed the music business back in the 80s. And it really, really did. It very much sculpted what was popular, why it got on, why you got a record contract. Um, really interesting to listen to. I imagine a lot of that stuff is in the documentary. Um, you know what? Not that it's, much. It's more about his career and music and it was all more that about stuff. his career and they talk about the part where he was the one that went to bat for, you know, freedom of expression and freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. That's uh, right. But not so much, you know, I mean, there's a couple of clips where they played, but not so much that stuff. It was more about him. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking it out. Um, a lot Is of live music in it. Just talking about that. So, you know, MTV in the 80s, because we're kind of living through all of it now. You know, yeah. So MTV yeah. in the '80s was probably—I don't know—and again, I'm limited. So if anyone's listening and I'm completely wrong, just you know, send me a message and let me know how I'm wrong. I'd love to correct my view. But it seemed like it was a time of like the highest record label control. Like there's no possible yeah. way you could make it as an independent into yeah. music. And now in 2020, it's exactly the opposite. The structures right. crumbled. Right. The amount of big bands, I would argue, is at an all-time low. Mm -hmm. Right, there's like two or three artists, right? Like Bieber and like maybe two or three other people that are like the pinnacle of like the biggest scenes in music, and yet artists are still unhappy. Right. You know, now they're complaining that now they're complaining about, you know, like dude, you have to work, you know, like you gotta hustle here. You have mm -hmm. something, you have a product, but there's a level playing field, so everybody else that has the same product has to compete against you. So you gotta, you gotta work and you gotta grind, right? The other thing that was like that came through in the documentary, same with fish, they grind. Yes. Right. Like the work ethic is there. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get that great and that good by accident, right? And it's and it's something that people don't see. You know, we we see people and things. We look at the end product. We completely forget about the journey. You know, um, and anybody that's great at something, whatever that skill is, they tend to make it look easy, but they make it look easy because of the hours and hours of dedication and commitment. And um, you know, my, we're talking about. a funny, funny story on that. Like one of my chiropractic mentors, you know, we're young, we're struggling in practice. 
And we're like, hey, you know, what do we do? Like, I'm, I'm, me and my buddy are talking to him. He's like, okay, well, here's what you're going to do. He's like, every month you're going to get everyone in your practice. You're going to tell them to bring somebody to your practice and you're going to do a talk. I'm like, okay. My buddy goes, well, I can't do that. What else can I do? And my, and Reggie Gold looks him in the eye and he goes, you can fail. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, those are your options. You can do this or fail. Right? I want a following like the Grateful Dead. Perfect. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to get together with the group. You're going to rent a place. You're going to play seven nights a week. You're going to tell everybody to come. You're going to play for three hours a night. And then when you're home in the morning, you're going to rehearse and then you're going to go to your gigs. Well, I don't want to do that. What else can I do? Well, right. grateful that like, no, not those things specifically, but like, yeah. you know, you man, like you got to work here. Yeah. It reminds me of, have you seen rocket man, the Elton John movie? Yeah. Yeah, so that scene where he's not, like, he's just playing in a band, and he says to the guy in the band, you know, I, I want to I be a songwriter. I want to do what you do. And he goes, then start writing songs. Right. Right? Like, like you want to be a leader? Start leading. You want to be a writer? Guess what? <laughs> Fucking start writing. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, like, when's the best time to plant a tree? 200 years ago. When's the second best time to plant a tree? today right now yeah and uh great so pick up an instrument and get going well I, i'm bad at it well yeah how do you think you're gonna get good at it you're gonna right. be bad at it for a really 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 long time of course yeah and that's you know what i think that was always the hurdle with me getting over playing the guitar i wanted to be good right away i didn't work through the pain and and yeah. and go through all the basics that you need to learn to get to the point you know i didn't really begin with the end in mind in the way that i probably should have and uh that type of stuff it has to be fun Right. Like you yes. have to enjoy that period where you're like, I don't know the, I don't know the, the timing of this song. You know, how mm -hmm. do I get that? How do I learn? That? But yeah. to go back like, to the Zappa documentary, like, I don't know, man, he just seemed kind of, he seemed kind of grumpy. Like at the end, you know, like you watch the trade documentary, especially now Trey's older, mm -hmm. he seems really happy, you know, and, 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 and that's yeah. not to like, circumvent the challenges of being a musician. Cause they'll always be there. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting how the different personalities respond to things differently was another takeaway that I had. Yeah. And you wonder too, again, I, I don't really know, but I know um, sometimes I think like, I wonder if the vision of how it's going to go and how your life is going to go, if maybe it wasn't going the way that Frank wanted it to go and that then bred out those types of lyrics and that type of music versus I don't know if it could be really going any better for fish or Trey or whatever. Now they made that and they have a different attitude. And there's a lot that goes into that, but you wonder if the predicted path that they thought they would go down ended up being different. And that I then think, led uh, I think something had to do with, and, and again, I'm psychologizing here. It's just for con like, don't really take it seriously. I'm just, I'm just more interested. It seemed like Zappa was really critical of music in general yes right like yes. really critical like it had to sound this certain way yeah you know, he was always pissed off at his musicians because the vision in his mind didn't get expressed properly yep whereas trey you know we're singing yem and the girls sing woman instead of man and he's like that was awesome right way right. more open to you took my idea and you added your personality to it right Gotcha. Versus, yeah, I, I think uh, fluidity and being more rigid. Yeah. Definitely some contrast there. I remember you telling me a story about, uh, and you'll tell it better, about somebody, a guitarist that was auditioning for his band okay. with Steve Vai. How did that go? Yeah, so I, I again, I, I, I don't know where I heard this. I don't even know if this is completely accurate, but I guess Steve Vai was trying out 
And like Zappa had like all these like complicated things like play this, you know, and then change this, add this note, add a 16th, play it 5-4, play it in 7-8, whatever. And see if I was like, that's impossible, man. So Frank's like, go try out for Pat Benatar if that's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best guitar players in in the world. Um, Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested. Yeah, it's cool. And like part of me gets it, man. Like you have a vision and if you want things done a certain way, you know, good, you know, have at her. But yeah. And, and it's, it's funny, right? Cause I think visionaries, they, um, I think a, a commonality that a lot of them share is they are prickly. They're very rigid in what they want and, and they won't, and they won't compromise because they believe that what they see or what they want or what they believe is possible is the right thing. Right. Steve Jobs was very, was very, uh, very much like that. Like didn't care what other people thought said, no, this is what we're going to do. I don't care if you think it's impossible. You're going to find a way. Yeah. Again, I think you just have to, cause I'm sure Trey is like that for certain things. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure, I'm sure there's mm-hmm. a line. I think just, I think the argument here or the conversation is where you draw the line. Right. You know, like with fish, again, we've talked about this a million and a half times. With Fish, it wasn't playing the notes right. It was the energy of the song. So yeah. if you're going to change something and it's going to bring more energy or bring a certain vibe or make everyone be like, yeah, that's awesome, we're keeping it. Right? Yeah. It was like the horn player played an F instead of an F sharp. And he was like, you know, like you hear the guys and the musicians are like, he only ever told me like once in my life that I did a good job. Right. <laughs> yeah, and this is what you're saying. I got the image of watching fish, and when, uh, or even Beacon Jams for that matter, because I've watched a lot of that lately. Um, when another player does something, and Trey picks up his head and looks, and he gets that smile, he's like, "Yeah!" Like he, the reaction, and and bringing it back to improv, that yes and mentality. You know, being comfortable enough in what you want to do, but being willing to have somebody be brought into it to make it different, to change it up. Yeah. Uh, that's what makes Zappa so interesting to me because the interview that you sent, you know, he pretty much talks and, and it was posted on Reddit in the fish group. He does, I think, does an excellent job of mm-hmm. talking about the value of improvisation and music to be like, this is a one-time shot. I get to paint what I think the terms that he uses beautiful too, beautiful language. Because I get to decorate time. Yes. Yeah. Right? It's a decorate time with my knowledge based on like the rhythm, based on the moment. Yeah, that uh, that would otherwise like sitting here would seem impossible, is what you right. said. But then, but then it comes to reality, and they'll never be able to create it again because it, it, there's so many other factors. And on the um, flip side, to be so stringent and like, you know, mm-hmm. almost uh, almost masochistic on mm-hmm. playing the the note in the way that he you know envisioned it in his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really fascinating. Um, I'm really excited to watch it tonight. How long is it? Am I in for like a two hour ride or what is it? Two hours. There you go. Okay. Yeah, I will definitely be checking that out as long as I can find it and get it, which I'm sure I'll be able to. You can find it. I can find it. That Mm -hmm. is a lot of truth because I don't (laughs) know if wrong or incorrect. Uh, Awesome, man. Um, Yeah, so uh, I'll have to listen to that show from 98 on the way home tonight. It was what, July, what, 15th or something? 15th. Okay. Uh, Second set specifically? Second set starts with... Uh, I want to say birds of a feather. Okay. Very good. And those early, by the way, just like, so a couple of things that are just so cool, man. Um, I love, love the part from dinner in a movie 
the start of the Haley's Comet Jam. We're mm-hmm. training us over and Mike's and he goes, hey, Mike, stay in F. <laughs> you know, much like I love the, I love the excitement of the early versions of Birds of a Feather when you can hear Trey like yell in excitement. He's so pumped to play this piece of music. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty great. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's the best. I mean, and it's infectious, right? It's very genuine. There's nothing fake about that. There's a guy that's uh, doing something that he loves, and everybody should have the opportunity to do that, right? I agree. In the best, in best case scenario. All right, my friend. I will check that out tonight. I will watch Zappa. We'll have updates for you next week. Um, fingers crossed for the Fish Christmas album. I really want to hear Little Drummer Boy. Imagine what the what the actual album cover would look like. <laughs> what a vision! I can't even imagine. It would probably be John Fishman in some like scantily uh, scantily clad outfits. Yeah, in fact, one of the reaction vids I was watching was uh, they didn't show Fish uh, or uh, John Fishman in a lot of the clips in the two reaction videos that that guy was watching, but they finally kind of went to him from the back, and you could see his whole body. <laughs> and the reaction guy goes that guy wearing a summer dress he was so like he had a face on him like what like what's he oh all right and then got back into it and just yeah so good um only fish can pull that one off all right man have a great week thanks for chatting thanks for listening everybody smash the like button as always subscribe tell your grandparents okay have a good week you've been listening to ticket to game hedge in addition to wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and of course, TicketToGameHinge.com, where you can grab a free chapter of the book, How to Get Your Friends Into Fish. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep sharing in the groove.